This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. Why do we stay with someone who is bad for us? Are we lazy or are we just complacent? Joining me today is Dr. Monica Vermani, clinical psychologist and author of A Deeper Wellness, Conquering Stress, Mood, Anxiety, and Traumas. She says that it's easier to stay with the beast that we know than one we don't. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Claudia, for having me. So that is a very powerful statement. It's easier to stay with the beast we know than one we don't. What does that mean and why do you say that? We are creatures of habit. And so one reason why we get stuck in toxic relationships or toxic patterns, you know, when we say toxic relationships, we assume it's with people, but we also have toxic relationships with alcohol, drugs, and dynamics with our body or our health and working out. It is important for us to recognize that sometimes we get into patterns and habits that are just toxic, unhealthy for us. Many people have fears of uncertainty, self-doubt about Can I handle another environment? Can I handle another dynamic? And one reason why we stay with what we know is it's better to stay with what we know that I know how to function in than sometimes opening ourselves up to change, which can come with factors that I'm not sure if I can handle it. So sometimes these things are really about self-esteem and feeling capable. And we struggle with sometimes knowing, uh, am I capable to handle changes that come with maybe breaking patterns that I think are unhealthy, but maybe it could be worse than this. It's interesting to me that you say that we have toxic relationships, not only with people, but with food and drugs and alcohol. Let's define what is a toxic relationship. So what would that look like? It's unhealthy relationship dynamics. So unhealthy dynamics where you feel unsupported, you feel misunderstood, you could be feeling attacked, you could be feeling you know, um, subordinate. You could be feeling in a place of powerlessness and the loss of control. But the key thing about unhealthy dynamics that come with toxic relationships is you don't feel happy. You don't feel good about yourself. And with time, we have symptoms arise. Anxiety, depression, loss of interest in things, that sense of dread of waking up in the morning and going to work. We might have feelings of wanting to leave, escape. You know, sometimes it even can get quite dark where you want to Uh, leave and die. You're just tired of dynamics that you don't feel power in or control in, or you feel any sort of resolution with. But these dynamics that are toxic, the key is you feel unsafe, unsupported. And they're dynamics that instead of helping you thrive, grow, and feel good about your life, they feel trapping, they feel caged, they feel, you know, uh, a place where you don't have power and control, and you're just unhappy. Does a toxic relationship with one thing lead to a toxic relationship with another thing or possibly with a human being? So let's say somebody has a toxic relationship with food and they tend to get into this, you know, negative vortex of toxicity all around them. Does one thing lead to the other? I feel like that is the case, but from a professional perspective, um, how does that work? There is always a link and there is a tie to these things. And One reason why we enter toxic relationships sometimes is just role modeled behavior. So if we came from blueprints of mom and dad, and it's not about blaming parents, they do many times don't get the help they need, or they don't sometimes know other ways of being or capable, uh, feeling capable on a coping level front. So many times we're repeating patterns. And so, yes, there's a link. I might've learned from my mother unhealthy habits 
of coping with using food or using, you know, sleep as an escape. And as I grow up, I do the same thing. We might be having links to knowing these type of behaviors from dynamics from our childhood or knowing them from the society or traumas or things that have gone on in our life and they're repeating now. All human behavior has a purpose and all human symptoms have a purpose. And the symptoms show you something's off course, but once upon a time, you might've brought in a toxic habit or relationship dynamic because it served your highest and best. It somehow served you and it worked for you at one age, but it's not working for you today. And so I might've brought in oversleeping at a time where I was grieving the loss of a grandparent in my home. And at that time it worked as a way to kind of self-soothe, get me the rest and help me grieve. If I still rely on that oversleeping as a coping mechanism, whenever I feel sad, it is now a toxic relationship with that habit. Same with people. We might sometimes bring like attracts like. You might bring in somebody when you're in lower self-esteem, not knowing yourself, not knowing your value yet. And you bring in somebody that matches your self-esteem at that point. Over time, as you evolve and grow and are becoming a better version of you, you might not be in alignment to that person anymore. But at one point, that person was comfortable and served your purpose. They filled your needs. They provided you comfort and it worked. But now you've evolved and got better. You don't fit anymore and you feel guilty to leave because you don't, you've grown, but they haven't. With change comes consequences. And sometimes as we work on ourselves to be higher, better versions of ourselves, clean up symptoms, embrace our self-esteem, feel deserving of better. You do sometimes have ripple effects of affecting friendships that were stuck in bad dynamics that now don't like the changes in you. Even though they're healthier, you know, misery likes miserable company. And now you're not miserable. So, hey, this dynamic's not going to work. So sometimes toxic relationships shift naturally and leave your life as you work on yourself. But why do we stay in toxic patterns? That's actually the biggest problem today. And with the dynamics of the pandemic, a lot of us held on to unhealthy dynamics. I feel like that's the most difficult thing is recognizing when a when it's a toxic relationship. But I think a really valid point is understanding, and I think you learn this as you get older, that sometimes change is needed. And as you start to change and grow as we should, see, I think what I feel is that we don't realize that we must change, we must grow, we must be different, better, improved versions of ourselves. And that's the hard part because we like being in that same um, status quo. So let's talk about why it's important for us to recognize that change is important, that sometimes we grow and other people aren't growing with us. And it's okay to dismiss that relationship without guilt. Change is the fabric of life. We are born never staying the same person one moment to the next. You're constantly aging, you're growing, you're learning, you're absorbing, you're evolving. Change is inevitable. But if I had to give you a purpose of life, it's to evolve and grow into your higher, better version of you. And that really is about you learning how to change with yourself in mind as evolving for your betterment. And many times when we're scared of the unknown, we get stuck in toxic patterns of staying stuck. You do the best you can with what you know. What you know pre this session of us talking and post will be a different, you know, person. It is important for us to recognize change is the fabric of life. So we can't escape it. What we need to learn how to do is embrace it better. I find 
that I reinforce for a lot of patients with mood, anxiety, stress, and depression. Your suffering can be avoided. Change can't. And so change in life is going to come to help you evolve. And whenever we have symptoms, anxiety, depression, you know, turmoil with conflict in relationships, whenever there's distress, it is an opportunity and a time for you to recognize I'm being propelled to change. It's a catalyst for change. Your symptoms, your pain, whatever you label as unhealthy in yourself is actually a catalyst for change. You either bring in resources to get help or you have a tendency to now change habits in your life or you leave a relationship or you revise it getting counseling. Whenever you go through difficult symptoms, it's not about the story of what got you to the symptoms. Recognize the symptoms and what do I need to learn to be better at coping with this? The story of our suffering is irrelevant. The symptoms and how to how they become a catalyst for change in your life is important. So it, you worked at a uh, workplace for five years smoothly and things were great. And now after five years, there's restructuring and you're finding yourself anxious. You're finding yourself a lot more pressure. You're finding yourself misjudged by the new boss in place. And you're like, why is this happening? It's happening because that turmoil you're going through is now trying to shift you to say, well, is this the right place for me to stay at? Maybe I've done my time here. And now with this turmoil that I'm feeling at work, I don't belong here. So then you open up yourself to change, which is Googling other work opportunities and networking to people saying, I'm looking for change. Maybe there's another place that's better for me. You know, we got to stop getting caught up in the suffering and the story of it and look at what are the opportunities of growth, change. What are my symptoms telling me that I'm not happy with, that I need to bring forth change, either in my habits, my skill set or my circumstances or the people around me to be in a happier place, evolve into a better place. And so how do you feel that self-esteem, um, maybe uh, ego play into this? Because to me, it sounds like that's kind of where it stems from, is that change is scary because we don't feel that we are deserving or that we're capable or we're deserving of change and better things. You look at any child, you know, they glow with unconditional love abundance of joy in their life. They live in the moment. They are not scrutinizing, judging, calling themselves names and being hard on themselves. They are literally in the moment having a wonderful time absorbing and learning about the world. How do we each go from being a child to being this adult that we now have to clean up our mindset of all these narratives and stories we tell ourselves that we're not healthy, we're not good enough, I can't handle this, I can't manage this. That's the key. Somebody criticizes something and you hold on to that criticism and are like, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable. What if I can't succeed like that person? We start comparing ourselves and kind of being hard on ourselves or, you know, poo-pooing on ourselves that we're not good enough in comparison to A or B. The truth is comparison has a place for you. Like I mentioned earlier, if there's a purpose to life, it's to evolve to be a higher, better version of you, meaning feel more capable and in charge of your life and feel more confident, have better self-esteem, which comes from practice. And it's important for us to recognize what are the areas I feel are gaps in my life? Where does self-esteem come in? Anxiety and fear is self-doubt because we're not sure we can handle a new environment, a new partner, if we'll meet somebody better, if we'll get a job that's happier. Those doubts and fears plague our mind. But if you're in high self-esteem, with or without the next job being good, I can handle it. Worst case scenario, I leave this job and I go to another one too. You know, worst case scenario with a partnership. You know, if I regret leaving this person because I feel like it's not a good fit right now, 
well, maybe tomorrow, if we're still meant to be, I learn from the experiences I have dating that this is the right person for me. And I come back. And if we're meant to be, we'll be back together. Everything in life is possible. You want to look at the probability of bad things happening. Many times, one reason why we stay in toxic patterns or relationships at work, at, in your home, with your children, with your friends, is because we are so scared that I don't know if I can handle things and we overestimate the probability of bad things happening. But when you really explore it, you know, the probability of bad things happening are a lot smaller than you think and you can manage it to date. Life only gives you what you can handle. Give yourself credit how you've managed instead of always looking at gaps of how maybe I can't manage. In terms of relationships, is it possible that, you know, some people just don't recognize that they're being mistreated or they're maybe not being treated the way they deserve to be treated, but aren't aware of that? We don't choose things in low self-esteem because we don't sometimes even recognize that we have it. The key is this. You know, if I grew up in a household where the dynamics were one was subordinate, one was more dominant, and one person, you know, led, you know, the pact and the other person just followed. Well, why am I surprised that as I grow up, I feel that's the dynamic? Like I said, we all have narratives or schemas in psychology, we call it, of maps of information in our head. If I'm a child growing up in a household where dad's critical and, you know, always telling mom what to do and, and dominant and works a lot then to me, that's in my mind a map. That's what men do. Depending on your gender, sometimes you follow. And other times, you also just follow by temperament styles. I'm more like my mom, so I'm going to maybe adopt some of her coping skills because I relate to her. Even abuse cycles were following by gender. It was because the roles were distinctly different. You know, men were breadwinners, women were home. You know, if I'm a, a girl being born in this household, I'm going to be a homemaker. And if I'm a boy, I'm going to be a breadwinner. And that was very clear once upon a time. However, over time, that's not the case. Women have gone to work and both members are working. However, the distribution of household stuff is not equal all the time. And what's important for us to write, recognize now is people are going by dynamics. Who do I want to be? The, the person who's dominant or the person who's subordinate? And sometimes now it's not about gender. It's about choosing what you think is right for you. Chemistry in a dating situation is often familiarity. It is just familiar patterns. We're like, you're so comfortable to me. What's the comfort about? It's the fact that you're like my dad. I grew up with it. I know how to function in this, but it doesn't mean it's healthy. Now, if your father was a great role model and knew how to treat mom and things were wonderful, great. You being with someone like dad works in your favor. But if the dynamics were abuse, criticism, overworking, unhealthy anxiety, depression, maybe substance use, is that right for me to continue in my life? Is that in my highest and best? And by removing the tools that worked for mom and dad, but they don't work for me, you then give yourself and create space for new tools by learning it from new generation people, resources out there, and catching up with what is in my highest and best versus what is a pattern I keep repeating. I like that. And I guess the lesson is let's not blame our parents for everything. When we come back, Dr. Vermani's book, A Deeper Wellness, this is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Connect with us on Twitter at 105.9 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. 
You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. Bermani and I were discussing the reasons why people stay in toxic relationships. Her book, A Deeper Wellness, can help us work smarter, not harder on healing and growth. So, Dr. Bermani, what role does past trauma play in our relationships? We touched upon that a little bit earlier, but we do have past traumas that either we're aware of or unaware of. How does that affect us in our relationships? So past traumas, you know, are bullying experiences, parents with the dysfunctional relationships of conflict and abuse or alcoholism or mental health issues that are undiagnosed and untreated, you know, these dynamics impact us. We sometimes develop personality traits that are not necessarily true about ourselves, but we had to create in order to live in those environments. For example, if mom and dad are fighting all the time, is there a space for you to have a voice to express yourself? Not necessarily, right? And so we sometimes adopt to being an introvert or quiet, not because we truly are that personality, but because our home environment fosters an environment that I need to be quiet so I don't get in trouble or they don't start fighting again. So sometimes our personality traits and some of the things that we adapt to on a self-esteem front, as you mentioned, self-esteem is about feeling confident and capable in situations. Many people don't feel capable in certain situations because we don't always have the foundation. We forget as adults um, or as children that our parents weren't just our parent. They were also someone's colleague, a child. They were uh, uh, working. They were trying to figure out money. They were trying to figure out themselves. They were a partner to a, you know, a person at home. They were friends. They had all these other roles going on as well as being your parent. And they were doing the best they could to juggle it all just like you are today as an adult. So humbling ourselves to forgive our parents for what they've unintentionally or intentionally done wrong, meaning intentionally because sometimes they don't seek the help that they need. Many times it's important for us to just look at parents with a level of humility and compassion that, okay, that's how they did it. How do I want to do it? One reason why I love working with adults is you have power outside of your parents now to set boundaries, to do things differently. It's nice to reflect on your life. Where was I from? What are traits I don't like about myself? And even just personally speaking, I'm from a very conservative East Indian background. And I was very shy and quiet growing up. In my you know, teens or adulthood at UFT, I remember going, I want to be someone who's a little more outgoing, who can do talks. And I used to admire people who boldly went out there and advocated or spoke up or did speeches and, and taught uh, to groups with this passion and enthusiasm. I saw people lesser than me and I was like, I grew from there. I'm better than that. Then I saw people that were better than me and I was like, how do I become this? And I learned what skills I wanted to learn to become this. Deep down inside, I still have the young Monica in me who is a little bit shy and introverted. However, the adult version can choose to be extroverted or be the shy girl. That's, I think, our goal. Self-esteem is about empowering yourself to learn the skills that you think you're weak on. It's about you learning how to break patterns. And so traumas, whatever, whatever the story is, can you see the beauty in you and try to lift yourself better? I have a lotus flower as a part of my logo because lotuses are beautiful flowers, but they grow in swamp water. Each and every one of us have our own swamp water of abuse or dysfunction or bullying, not feeling smart enough, symptoms of ADD or anxiety that hindered our performance in life and made us not feel like we could shine. Whatever your story is, don't get caught up in the story. Let's look at how it taught you resilience. Let's look at how it taught you control. Let's look at how it taught you to be a better version of you. And if you haven't, 
then let's look at what are the obstacles that hold you back and look at here and now, how do I make this person a better version of her or him? You said the word boundaries, and that just stuck in my head because I am new to the concept of boundaries. I grew up in a family where my parents are loving, kind, awesome, but they themselves didn't know how to set boundaries with the people around them, not necessarily with themselves, but with their work and with their extended family and with their friends. And I naturally adopted that too. And I only developed in my 40s this ability to start to set boundaries. And it's an empowering feeling because you don't have to say yes. You don't have to be tolerant of everything. So let's break down why it's important to understand that boundaries are really healthy. You know, boundaries are about self-esteem. Meaning we dictate the level of respect people treat us by. I'll say that again. We dictate the level of respect people treat us by. Meaning I need to respect myself in order to set a boundary so somebody doesn't push forward and put me in a place where I'm unhappy or I'm anxious or I feel pressure or I feel disadvantaged in life. Many reasons why we don't set boundaries is we don't want to disappoint others. We don't want to let people down or we're taught in our family units people-pleasing putting others ahead of ourselves. And as adults, you have to say, is that working for me? As you grow in new roles or add on to roles, a parent, a partner, an in-law, a, you know, a sibling, new work roles or advocacy or being a parent, you're tired. There's only so much time out there. And if you keep giving everybody at your expense, you will burn out. Setting boundaries are about you still finding fulfillment in your relationships meaning you're not burning yourself by doing things. I don't blame people for asking you for whatever they want, but it's your job to say yes or no, which means you have to reflect on your life. Do I really have the space and the time to do this without resenting someone? Do I have the space and the time to take on this new project at work when I haven't finished the old one? And it's about you advocating for yourself because you love and value you. The one problem is we don't treat ourselves like the VIP in our lives, the very important person. We put everybody ahead of ourselves. Some of this is role modeled. Our parents mean well, but they do say, don't be selfish. No, you got to be kind to others. They're doing it from a good motive of teaching you values. However, those values can tip over to a place of self-sacrifice, to a place of self-sabotage, to a place of staying in toxic relationships, staying with toxic habits, comfort eating, alcohol, drugs, overworking, avoidance, denial, procrastination. These are things we all can relate to. But why are we stuck in it? Sometimes because we don't have boundaries with ourselves. Forget others. I don't have boundaries with me to stay consistent in the practices that make me healthy. How many of you can relate to not eating as clean, or not getting enough sleep, or taking on another thing to do when you knew you should have taken another hour of sleep, or meal prepping, or doing things that are aligned with bringing you joy. Many times we stay at our offices longer, but at your grave, are you going to be complaining that you don't spend more hours at work? No, you're going to be complaining about the things you sacrificed. Where is your joy coming from? Are you each and every day living your life fully? The one main thing that I always tell people is, you know, we're born not knowing when and how we're going to die. We're born with the uncertainty of not knowing when and how we're going to die. And so the purpose of that, in my opinion, is to live each day as if it's your last. But what we end up doing is thinking we have forever. 
and then one day regret that we never spent time doing the things we love. You really do need to pay attention to the uncertainty of not knowing when and how you're going to die by recognizing I'm going to live each day in my highest and best. And if you, if that means setting a boundary to say no, so you can take another nap, if that means, you know, asking your workplace for accommodation so you can get one project done before you start another, do the things that lift you, do the things that bring you joy. I find the more you take care of you, the better you are to take care of all the roles you feel responsible for. It's such amazing advice. And it sounds, um, sounds really simple. It sounds like it's easy to do when in fact, it's not that easy to do. It takes a practice and it's, and it's a journey. Now in your book, you offer a roadmap that will lead people out of pain and fear and into the life they deserve. What are some of the tips that you offer that, you know, people can use to get there and start living full and awesome balanced life? Each and every one of us out there deserve to be a higher, better version of ourselves. And this book is about chapters of life lessons and experiences that you can take out lessons that I teach people every day here to work through mood, symptoms, anxiety, to also understand symptoms. We all have things. We're all perfect and a work in progress. But it's important for us to recognize when our symptoms are starting to hold us back from enjoying life or hold us back from work, social intimacy, self-care, family life, spirituality, or saving money. It is important for us to look at our life with a magnifying glass. And this book is about a deeper wellness. Wherever you're at, start there and start going deeper. And so this book is about tools, how to set boundaries, how to take baby steps. Many times people come to me not for preventative care. They come to me when they're in trouble. And many of us wait till our symptoms are so bloody loud that now we have to deal with it. This book is about wherever you're at, whether you're in crises or you're in a place of, I just want to better my life, to go deeper in your pace and try to become a higher, better version of you so you live a more fulfilling life. And some people just don't feel deserving. And my question to them is, why not? Each and every one of us are born knowing that we're worthy of love just the way we are. Where have you learned these concepts that make you feel less than, make you feel like you have to put up with a life that is not fulfilling? Let's learn to improve our self-esteem. Let's learn to improve our symptoms. And let's learn to live in our highest and best. And the book is just a roadmap of concrete tools and lessons that I teach people every day in my office as a clinical psychologist that are tried and true. And I took the top topics, guilt, boundaries, you know, understanding symptoms, mood, anxiety, trauma, understanding we all have layers of trauma, even if you don't realize it. It's important for us to also grieve. Grieve the loss of who I thought I should have been instead of who I am today. Grieving is not just about people. Grieving is sometimes a loss of roles and loss of expectations we had by getting married and now getting divorced or grieving the loss of a child through a miscarriage. It is important for us to acknowledge and hold ourselves with compassion today. Compassion that I deserve a better life and I deserve to be better. I completely agree with you. And I think key takeaway that you, points that you made are baby steps and that we are all deserving of a full, balanced, healthy, and abundant life. Dr. Vermani, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. I feel like I learned a lot and I'm sure that listeners did too. And I definitely want a copy of your book. And if listeners want to get a copy of your book or book a session or learn more about you, how can they do that? It's easy. Go straight to my website, drmonicavermani.com, D-R-M-O-N-I-C-A, V-E-R-M-A-N-I.com. 
everything's there. You can find out a little bit of my private practice. You can find out about corporate wellness I offer, as well as the book, which is available on Amazon. You can also find an online platform of self-help that you can join if you don't have time for therapy sessions. And I write articles for the last two years during the pandemic with a meditation every week. So you can see a list of articles with actionable steps. Absolutely. Such amazing words. Thank you so much. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.